Aaron Williams from Stained once sang in 2003. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but welcome back, and we're back. Another half-episode from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We are doing a random best original song category half-episode. It's been a long time since we've done one of these, but it actually ties into what we're doing recently. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Also Mike, trying to get past your opening reference I as quickly as humanly possible. I and hard about it. No, I, I always hated that song. Always. It was like the song that I always changed the radio station did to. Did you hate it because it's a bad listened. song, or did you hate it because Fred Durst like insisted on stepping in there all the time? This oh, is wow. the real yeah. motherfucking deal! Both. Yeah. Both yeah. reasons are good. Good reasons right I'm there. feeling those lighters. Shut up, Fred. You're not adding anything to this. But you're right, Mike. This fits with what we've been doing lately. We did a Disney Animation Studios Top 5. Yes. And we have Pocahontas front and center of this episode. We are in the middle of our Pixar rewatch. Yes, we are. Quite the endeavor. Yeah, the films of Pixar. We just released Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, uh, episode number five of that. So we have this theme song where you were able to cover... <laughs> It's a parody. We're safe under parody law. Parody, it's a parody. where you parodied Randy Newman. And we had a blast. And we're going to do the Randy Newman impression Of course the we are. And that's half the reason we picked this category, because that song is in this category for 1995's Best Original Song. Category. And I have a stuffy nose, and I might just go into Randy Newman by accident. Does it add to it, do you think? Do you think you get a I benefit? Stick out my tongue. <laughs> Did you speak with my news? I want any relative of the Newman household to just listen to this and get horribly offended. The crazy part is I watched like uh, interviews with him and David Letterman. I saw you write this down, yeah. And the dude just speaks normally. And then when he sings, he just sticks to that. Him, Gilbert Gottfried, Bobcat Goldwaith all have the world fooled. He uses too much time. <laughs> he speaks ridiculously. This episode is off to a hot start, but that's what we're covering. Uh, if you've not joined us before for a Best Original Song category review, they're a little goofier, they are a little sillier. Mike and I, uh, while we are movie critics and we do know somewhat what we're talking about there, somewhat. we choose to concentrate on the songs of a given Oscar years where we know little to nothing about what we're talking about here. So basically we Beavis and Butthead style heckle the music videos, <laughs> Oscar performances and we actually do, when we can, find the scene yes. in the movie do a little bit of an analysis of that scene, but mostly, mostly Beavis and Butthead. Yes, and that's uh, what we're going to do and boy is there a lot to uh, nitpick apart here in these five songs. Uh, we've done a lot of 80s, a lot of the best original song categories throughout the 1980s, right. and the songs were overly ridiculous. That, it was kind of a kind of a trope of the 80s. It was fun, and that's kind of what you were dealing with. That was just a sign of the times. The 90s now, we're in the middle of the 90s, 1995 to 96 Oscars. The songs are more mainstream and more relatable as to what we think of pop music today. Sure. The videos and some of the outfits and stuff Absurd. Carryovers <laughs> from the 80s, right? Yes. I mean, like, they figured some things out, right. but other things, no. There's still synthesizers <laughs> yes. being used. The electronic music Puffy sounds... Puffy shirts and Zorro-inspired, yeah, I mean, yeah. It sounds like it's from the 80s. Right, yeah. There's a lot of uh, a lot of questionable decision-making still being done in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, Randy Newman really didn't change his hairstyle. <laughs> there's Everything changes, and Randy Newman stays the same. That's the one constant in this life. So let's go through these. All five... Uh, Nominated songs for the best original song category from 1995-1996. We start as we usually do with the winner of this category. This is from the movie Pocahontas and Colors of the Wind. Here's a taste. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? 
Colors of the Wind in Pocahontas Music and Lyrics by Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken. We have this originally recorded by voice actress uh, Judy Kuhn, who uh, sang the song in the movie yeah. as Pocahontas. This was also recorded famously by Vanessa Williams. The Vanessa Williams cover reached fourth on the Billboard Top 100, Michael. Mm. Uh, lyrics for the song were inspired in part by a letter written to the United States Congress by Chief Seattle. Who would be Chief Seattle today? <laughs> Sean Kemp? I see these early 90s, late 90s, Ken early Griffey 2000s. Jr.? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Macklemore? <laughs> All right, Ricky Waters, is that your next one? No, but he could qualify, yeah, he'd be up there. He's a late he'd 90s. he running back. Late 90s Seattle I'm going to pop some tags. <laughs> uh, just another case of the white man ruining things that Native Americans yeah, did in seriousness. Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, but this was fascinating because it's one of the very few uh, Disney Animation Studio songs that did not try for laughs at any point in their song. I mean, it's, you know, you have your ballads, but even the ballads, you know, you have a lot of comedy in there. In the in the scene in the movie, in the song itself, they just went with the serious content and really leaned into it. You have the song being compared to transcendentalist writers like Ralph yeah. Waldo Emerson, throw there. You have it compared to New Age spirituality. But the staff of Billboard, famously said that the song was just basically like a public service announcement embracing diversity. So one of the things that sticks out to me is that you think about all the classic Disney animated studio songs, Friend Like Me from Aladdin, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. They are singing, they're not singing exactly what the plot is at you, but they play a role. This yes. one doesn't really have a lot to do with what's going on between Pocahontas and John Smith in the scene that it's in. I don't remember the movie, to be honest with you. I just know the beginning of the song is a tell-off. It's an ultimate tell-off. <laughs> it and it's pretty great. Like, do you think you own whatever land you land on? <laughs> you don't, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna sing at you and tell you off. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why I don't sing. Oh, you, you, you have the voice of an angel, sir. <laughs> Mike, Blue Corn Moon, that doesn't exist anywhere in a Native American culture. So that was something that, you know, by pain of death, the writers, uh, the lyricists told, you know, he revealed to everybody, all right, fine. I changed blue to green. I saw a poem once that said moon of green corn, and I used that, but there's no such thing as a blue corn moon. You mean to tell me that the uh, white man took something that was originated and founded by a Native American and changed it and made it their own? You should just edit. This is shocking. You should just edit that and keep putting it in <laughs> after I say uh, things. It is kind of ridiculous that, you know, this has been overly... 1995 wasn't so long ago that they couldn't have had some consultation on these songs. Right. Right? I mean, from the, if you're going to do it from the Native American perspective, I don't know. It's something we we complain about all the time with the female perspective. When males in the studio try to do things from the female gaze, I don't know, get a consult in there. I don't think it'd be well, that hard. let's be honest. I mean, Native Americans aren't acting in the roles in the movie either right. at this stage yet. No, you're right. So... All right, the writing talent involved in this song, though, is pretty strong, I would think. I, I think Obviously, it's a beautiful song. Yes, it is. And it's a song where Pocahontas is basically dunking on John Smith. <laughs> yes. While he's also falling in love with her, which is also kind of a little weird. Did you like this movie? 
I remember, like, I haven't seen this movie in 20 years. I, I haven't either. Really hard. But I remember being in the theater watching it. I remember distinctly being like, I'm bored by this Disney movie. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I I do not have fond memories of watching. Maybe you Bocahans. need the laughs, you know. And Could when be, yeah. Could serious. be. But I mean, bottom line, this song is about conservationism, environmentalism. Serious, heavy themes. It's about some serious, yeah. heavy themes without giving you a lot of laughs. That being said, I thought he should have shot the bear. <laughs> that bear was terrifying. <laughs> and that bear was about to charge. I've seen Grizzly Man, and I've seen when grizzly bears are about to charge from watching another movie, and therefore I think I know what bears will do. So we're Mike, uh, also Mike, in this cartoon <laughs> world, facing that cartoon hand-drawn bear. Yeah. It would have ended differently. He was not about to dance like Baloo the Bear. <laughs> he was about to charge, and he was shadowed. In darkness, so yeah, he probably should have shot him. At least you load the gun. She's right. She's wrong not to allow him to load the gun. Okay, that's one take on Pocahontas. <laughs> I, I don't even have anything to defend it with because, like I said, all I really remember about and even watching this clip in the movie was just being not pleased with watching this film at the time. It didn't really do much for me as a kid. I think it would have been like eight, nine years old when I watched this. Yeah. Wasn't crazy about it. I wonder if before George R. R. Martin wrote all the Jon Snow you grit stuff. <laughs> He watched this movie. <laughs> you know nothing, John Smith. It's basically the same thing. That's a dad joke. And maybe even nerdier by, yeah, with the Game of Thrones reference. All right, so the Vanessa Williams music video, Mike, again, we, 90s music sounds like 90s music. It just, just comes yeah. from no other era. Yeah, no, it's it's definitive for sure. And it is it's somewhat relatable to what we hear today, like I said at the top. Vanessa Williams, I think she kind of goes under the radar as far as a triple threat because this is a woman that won Miss America, is a fine actress, is a fine singer. Sure. She's had multiple hits on the Billboard charts, multiple albums on the R&B charts as well. I don't really think people, when you say Vanessa Williams, even think of her as a singer. And she did a great job here on the Oscar stage. Incredible voice, performs the heck out of the song. I, I really thought, the, like I said, the music video was beautiful, uh, really nice to watch. It's another trailer for the movie. And on the Oscar stage, like you just mentioned, all you need is Vanessa Williams on stage. Really? I thought it was interesting here that later on we'll just have a couple singers going solo here you have all the dancing but this is fun though because they have all fabric running across the stage and all those like streamers right and it's you know it's supposed to look like the wind and then they keep changing the backlights to make it different colors and that is on the nose enough for me to enjoy there's more production value in the performance on the academy stage than there was in the music video i felt like this music video was yep. so sim it was so stereotypically single from a movie soundtrack out of the 90s like here's like here's your one set we'll give you a couple props to have a background with you get one spotlight right. everything else is dimly lit give us like 60 seconds of usable video and will intersperse films clip flicks from the movie for the other two and a half minutes but that's the formula right, right. that works and it and worked for have, them sure and it was superhumanly beautiful person right involved just like we said marilyn monroe different race different absolutely, species absolutely different species mm -hmm. of beauty and Vanessa Williams is that beautiful. But it was nice to see her be able to fully put on the performance on the Oscar stage as opposed to the super cuts every two seconds going back to a film from right. or a scene from Pocahontas in the uh, music video. And boy, is this like the production budget for that video had to be like 80 bucks. <laughs> There's just nothing there. <laughs> Perhaps. All right. Well, we we come up a little mixed on that song. So I'm like three degrees separated from the attorney that handled Vanessa Williams' divorce to Rick Fox. 
Really? And, uh, yeah, That's I've, heard, a serious I've heard some things about it. I there know was, your face. Wow. Uh, there was some money involved. And your face was serious. There was some then. money involved in that. Uh, reportedly. Allegedly. I should allegedly. say. Allegedly. Yeah, okay. uh, well, how do you feel, Mike, being the stand-in for the 1996 version of Nathan Lane at the Academy Awards? Because you look just like him. <laughs> you don't so, sound like him. You know, it's just I look. I saw him to perform tonight's fourth <laughs> nominated song. I was like, "Good God, that's also Mike, a woman whose beauty surpasses <laughs> even my own." Vanessa Williams. That was that, that was really funny. All right, uh, here's the next song up on deck here: "Dead Man Walking" from the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen. Neath the summer sky, my eyes went blind. Sister, I won't ask for forgiveness. My sins are all ahead Tonight the clouds above my prison They move slowly across the sky There's a new day dawning My dreams are full too So, music and lyrics by Bruce Springsteen uh, from the movie Dead Man Walking, like you said. Mike, I think if you give us like a half hour, we can have a spot-on impersonation of this song. <laughs> it's something you've been pitching pretty hard. I'm pretty sure. Like this and Randy Newman. Like we could do certain range ranges of voices. So you believe that Bruce Springsteen is easy to imitate? I think we could do this. Yeah. No. Do you have I mean, a Born in the USA in you for you for me? No. No, you can't I do can't it on do it right now. I, I can work up to it. I'm not going to embarrass myself right, right now. But right, if you fair. gave me even 10 minutes, I could probably come up with something. I'm so tempted to pause the episode. I am going go. to build. Well, I'll build one up for all the right, next all episode. Right. So, all right. I'm sure it'll play really well with our Ratatouille pod, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is next. But yeah, Mike, this uh, movie was something I saw twice in school. I saw it in eighth grade and then again in high school. This is Dead Man Walking. This is not a movie I am familiar with at all. It does not surprise me to hear that your school system, it's been a long-running joke of MMO, that also Mike's school system showed him a lot of great movies well, as part of the curriculum. death penalty debates Oh, well, there you go. So this, that makes sense. This movie was coming out, and it was in the Oscar conversation yeah. a couple years earlier, and every every teacher was just smitten with it, and they, for every death penalty class, capital punishment class, we talked about this. Makes sense. Really high marks across the board for this movie, Dead Man Walking. 80 Metascore, 7.6 IMDb, a 95 certified Fresh Rotten Tomato score with an 85% audience score. Yeah. So incredibly high. Susan Sarandon actually would win the lead actress Oscar this year for this performance. So I feel like this one's kind of slipped through the cracks as far as memorable Oscar movies or memorable big-time movies that were critically applauded. I think it's Bruce Springsteen's fault. I mean, if he had the same, <laughs> if he had the same goatee that Sean Penn had, it might have worked better. And that goatee was on full display in the music video. This music video, for as minimalist as the Pocahontas video was, right? The director of that minimalist video must have seen this music video and just came. Like he was like, "Yes, this is what a music video should be. <laughs> just the essence <laughs> of just a singer and blackness behind him. <laughs> this is uh, this music video had nothing but Springsteen and that grease slick back hair that just for men dyed eight times uh, yeah. goatee. It's dark. Yeah, it's a dark goatee. Uh, great lyrics. I love them. Sister, I won't ask for forgiveness. My sins are all I have. Yeah, that's that's heavy that shit. slams into you. I love that." understated as a song i wonder if this was sung by anybody else mike does this get nominated so what do you mean by that question are you saying that because I mean the song's the song no good is just very simple right 
you know, it's very simple. It doesn't but you're take impressed by the un- lyrics, though. Unique voice, and we'll see how unique it is, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hyping this Ratatouille pot up. <laughs> but I, I do think this is uh, Chris Christopherson, <laughs> who's slightly popular in the 70s as a musician, also an actor. Yes. C- cigar maker. <laughs> it doesn't get nominated. But isn't part of that because of Springsteen's, like, panache that he brings? And Absolutely. His- but you just said his voice is easily repeatable. Yeah, both. What? <laughs> this is a it's like the Queen argument. argument. It's like the Queen argument. Let's we want to make a song that everybody can sing. <laughs> right? But you said the lyrics are complex, but his saw his voice could be repeated. But if it was anyone else, it wouldn't be nominated. Mm-hmm. Okay, (laughs) this makes no sense. But I will go on record as saying I was very impressed by this song. I really liked it. I thought the I thought the uh, it's very blah to me. I I loved it, man. I thought it could come out today and still be just as relevant and just as big a hit because it's a singer songwriter kind of thing. It's like a folk song, really, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know musical genres, so don't get mad at me. It's third level folk or whatever the your genres are. Don't get mad at me. You're a third level folk. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you third level folk. All right, what about what about his performance at the Oscars here? Yeah, I, I'm confused because I thought he was from New Jersey. I mean, he looked like a mobster. What are you talking about? Yeah, but he sings like he's got that twang. Again, I'm really holding back an impression. Right <laughs> well, look, to me, this looked this was a preposterous Bruce Springsteen look at the Oscars here because he, he looked like he just took a handful of gel and slicked back his hair, dyed his goatee a billion shades darker than it should have been. This did not look at all like Bruce Springsteen at any stage that I've seen him in. Yeah, we got to be careful. When we get to the 40, we got to be careful because that's like <laughs> in between old, or older man and younger guy. And if you could have some awkward looks in that yeah, Sure, but it's there, man. It's on YouTube. It's it's fair game right now. He looked like uh, he, he looked like the uh, Wall Street obsessed tycoon that was keeping the kids from participating in the big skate tournament so they can win the money to keep their local pizza place from shutting down in like every 80s kids movie. <laughs> Turning into a 90s kids movie. Right. Mighty Ducks. <laughs> right, sure. Yeah. That I mean, that was the look he was going for and God damn it, he nailed it. One of your friends has been honest to review Mighty Ducks forever on Twitter. Yes. And he is just fist pumping right now in his car. They mentioned it. They mentioned Mighty Ducks. You're going to get text later. <laughs> I like this performance. I like this song very much. It's I like, not something I knew of. And I have to watch yeah. this movie now. I did not I did not know about this movie at all. I like the blue lighting of the, the stage. It looks like a fan but it's also like the star thingy, you know, it looks like a prison fan, yeah. you know, and it also is uh, go to the light because he gets fried. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you ever really loved a woman from Don Juan DeMarco is up next. just preposterous. <laughs> Everything about this is just preposterous. Go ahead. 
music and lyrics by Brian Adams, Michael Kamen, and Matt Lang, performed by Brian Adams with flamenco guitarist Paco De Lucia. Famous Mexican songstress Brian Adams. <laughs> Five weeks at number one on the Billboard Top we 100. We have to do better as a society. <laughs> we just have to. <laughs> Mike, was this movie about Zorro? I've never seen this movie. So here's the IMDb synopsis. A psychiatrist must cure a young patient that presents himself as Don Juan, the greatest lover in the world. So I watched a couple clips, and you have Marlon Brando is that This is Marlon Brando and Johnny Depp, and Brando is playing the sane one. They're just like, <laughs> is Brando just like, I am the most interesting man in the world? At this and Depp point- is like... No, I am the most interesting <laughs> man in the world. Just they're drinking Dos Equis the whole movie. I mean, that's a stereotype from com- beer commercials, but yeah, that's what they look like in the freaking clips. How did you get this movie greenlit? Because at this point in Brando's career, he was notorious for just not giving two shits about what was going on in any movie. Like, he would reportedly just show up, have he would not read the script, he would need it read to him, and even then it was hit or miss. So how he was going to play the voice of reason and the conscious for this movie is beyond me. I think uh, I think Johnny Depp's latter career was forged by this meeting, <laughs> perhaps with Marlon Brando, uh, that, which says something. Look, my couple takeaways from all the clips, I guess. Um, I'm reminded of getting my hair cut. That's what this song does for me. Because this song was playing for most of my haircuts <laughs> as a child on the radio, the same radio station they always played. Star in 99.9? Yeah. yeah. Or KC 101. Or KC 101. How about it, Connecticut people? Yeah. Let's, let's clap it up. It's still going. Um, also, 90 sex scenes might have been the best sex scenes. So there wasn't a... Uh, there is a music video for this, but one of the videos that shows how this was used in the movie... It's a, it has to be an at-home cut. I pray to God it's not from the studio because it's it's preposterous. We go from Brian Adams is singing and we have an agonizingly long shot of Depp mansplaining whatever the hell he's oh, talking about. Yeah, uh, but we don't see him. We see the back of him and we the camera slowly zooms in on Geraldine Palehouse's face, the woman there. Uh, who's giving him zero reaction to play with, and then we cut hard and immediately to the softcore porn way in which sex scenes were filmed in dramas in the they 90s. All softcore, yeah. I mean, it's just like a long shot of the belly. It's the hip bone. I don't know if it's Johnny's belly or her belly. I don't know. I don't care. It's the close-up of the face of ecstasy, <laughs> someone just breathing hard. Like... We got romance was dead in the nineties. Yeah. Nobody knew what actual romance was. <laughs> we got to stop this. Our mothers listened to our show. Well, this was it was surprisingly though to keep it like actually something in film history. Right. Jeremy Levin wrote this movie, and he would go on to write one of the most successful romance movies of all times in two thousand four. Is The Notebook. So oh. the same guy that did The Notebook yeah. was gets accredited for doing whatever this was. And yeah. whatever this is, I mean, this movie, I, what is this movie? Johnny Depp's cosplaying a Zorro? Why are they wearing masks? They're always <laughs> wearing masks. He's literally wearing a Zorro mask. And how does that mask hide who he is? He's freaking Johnny Depp. <laughs> like, how, like, Mike, if you were wearing just a, you know, eye mask, I could tell it's you. Right. Because you're a very distinctive looking <laughs> fellow. Now, I think I am too. And I think Johnny Depp is too. And it's like, this wasn't even like an eyes wide shut type thing of like a different personification. It's not like a full mask. They're just the mask and then they're wearing regular clothing. <laughs> 
I would give them away otherwise. That would like me be me walking in with my New York Giants pullover, my basketball shorts I wear every day, right. and then that Zorro mask and expecting you not to know who Johnny I am. Johnny Depp, that open pirate <laughs> V-neck <laughs> the pirate shirt. V-neck pirate oh, shirt that he's God. wearing at the beginning with the you know the baby smooth skin chest. Yes, and then he's wearing the same outfit just with no mask. Come on. And then, speaking of pirate shirt, the music video for this that we found, which was Brian Adams. Directed by Anton Corbin from The American and the Most Wanted Man, became a big film director. I'm glad these people got these reps in, okay? I'm glad, because they obviously, these did not hit. At least not, maybe they hit at the time, and maybe we're we're being unfair because this was 25 years ago. Look, the old man, (laughs) the old man with the Zorro mask and the shot in his hand, the shot of whiskey or whatever, tequila, and he's just unmoving while they're all singing around him. He is frozen still. Made me laugh hard. I, I laughed so hard when I saw Brian Adams slowly creep into this frame with his own Zorro mask on <laughs> as he's singing. And the people that think this is the best in cinema are the same people that voted Finding Dory Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Okay, we found them because this is ridiculous, all right? Ridiculous. I don't know what the premise for this music video is. Brian Adams is hanging out at a bar in Mexico casually, very casually, more casually than any human being ever, wearing an all-white tuxedo while a bunch of regularly clothed men are around him, and he's basically berating them that they've never properly loved a woman correctly. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, every woman in this bar that comes and starts hanging off of Brian Adams' words, every woman in here is, like, a a bona fide 9 or a 10. Brian Adams is surrounded by fat men and, like, guys that are maybe hard fours, and... It's a wonder why he gets every woman there. Like, I wonder what the studio heads looked like back then. <laughs> right? Right? It's a fucking yeah, male fantasy. Of course it it's is. You're absolutely right. something year old frumpy guy fantasy. That's what this is. All the directors are 40-something-year-old right. frumpy guys. All the studio heads were the same thing. And, of course, they give themselves a fantasy in a music video. Did you listen to some of the lyrics of this song? I tried not to. So Go creepy. Go ahead. This is like a stalker's manifesto, including the line, when you can see your unborn children in her eyes, you know you really love a woman. Ooh. Now, if you're married and you've been together a long time, yeah, that's very sweet. If you've had the talk <laughs> at least like three times. If you're just hanging out at a bar because you think the bartender's cute and you're like, I see my unborn children in your eyes. Weep, weep, yeah, that, that is a cop call. <laughs> and you have taxidermied birds all over your apartment. <laughs> yeah. It's a sense. shot in this music video of Johnny Depp with a noose around his neck. I've never been more jealous of anyone in my entire life. Oh. How about Brian Adams' performance at the Oscars? <laughs> I love the dancing in the red outfits. It's That's so, what I will say. It's so elegant. Like, it's everything really about nice. this, it seems like it's pulled right from Coco, the, movie, the Pixar, Pixar movie Coco. Well, I think they're doing what they tried to do in the video, but it actually right. plays better on the stage. I 1,000% agree, and it looks wonderful, mm-hmm. except for the six foot five gangly white dude in this bright red puffy pirate shirt. I didn't notice play, it. It's Brian Adams. He's, <laughs> he's sticking out like a sore thumb in the middle of this. That's true. He doesn't really move, though. He's just he's just on the, uh, the guitar. But he does hit some high notes. He can, the man sing. can sing. He can sing. That's the absolutely man true. He can sing. Uh, look, I, I just love how YouTube's trying to sh- sell me the same shirts <laughs> in the ads. You got next the to ads the, next to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would like to look like a matador. I would like to do that. I yeah. would like to have you look like a matador. I guess I should buy this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Nathan Lane in a puffy shirt? <laughs> 
Nathan Lane probably shouldn't win You don't look like Nathan Lane. You look like 1996's Academy Awards Nathan Lane. I've never seen Nathan Lane look like that. Look, to be fair, I'm like a foot taller than Nathan Lane. I'm not, I, I, I have never in my life seen Nathan Lane at any point and been like, Otherwise, oh, it's Mike. I do look exactly like Nathan Lane. I'm fine. I'm fine with but that. But this one particular instance, I was like, good God. Uh, we'll move on here to Moonlight from the movie Sabrina. Sighs and whispers. Quiet laughter. Spoken invitations everywhere in the moonlight all the words you say make it relatively easy to be swept away in the hand. And Nathan Lane's a handsome man, that's all I can say. <laughs> No. <laughs> Moonlight <laughs> from the movie Sabrina. Uh, music by John Williams. Lyrics by Alan and Marilyn Bergman. Performed by Sting on the soundtrack and at the Oscars by Gloria Estefan. Mike, the, in the Sting music video, yes. I love how this movie seems to be a love triangle between Harrison Ford, Julia Armand, <laughs> and Greg Kinnear. Guess which aged character is going to get the girl? Yeah, speaking of uh, producer or executive 40, fantasies. 40-something-year-old white man, right? <laughs> anyway, but it, it's it's ridiculous because yeah. the whole video is about Julia Armand seeming to be in love with Greg Kinnear. Yeah. They, they seem to be in love. That's yeah. great. And then Harrison Ford <laughs> is getting smacked in one shot. <laughs> And it's kind of funny. And then in another shot, he like just shows up in a hotel and she's there and he has a baseball cap and a glass. Like what is with the 90s and all these goofy disguises that don't really disguise you? Men are the worst. (laughs) And by the way, Greg Kinnear, if you didn't watch like this clip or knows the movie or see it for yourself, you would have no idea Greg Kinnear is in this picture because the VHS cover, the DVD cover, all the promotional material is just like Harrison Ford hanging out on the S of Sabrina, which is really Written really? in red ink. Yeah, it has nothing to do with Greg Kinnear. Or Julia Ormond, for that matter. I think reading that uh, Conan O'Brien book, by the way, yeah. didn't, wasn't Greg Kinnear about to take a late night show job and this was one of the movies that he booked? Oh, maybe. Yeah. You've read it more recently than I have, but yeah. that would not surprise me. I think this was one of the movies. Solid career decision there, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a Sidney Pollock movie, by the way. Wow. Blew me away, and you're like asking why Park. Why did Harrison Ford do this? Maybe I, that's why. Here's the thing. Is this one of those movies that we'll like more as we get older, as we age, that love triangle? But then once it's we like hit, this like... this and On Golden Pond. I mean, listen, once we hit 40-year-old man-ness, yeah. like, we should do nothing but retrospectives, right? Because all the movies were made for 40-year-old men. You say that We if, should feel good. As if we don't do that now at 30. <laughs> <laughs> We I'm do that saying, four times a week look, here. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I, it's it's terrible that nobody else got movies for the last hundred years. Yes, it but is. it's awful. We could have some fun. <laughs> and I'm just all right. Back to the original. Our question. relatability was off the charts, is what you're saying. <laughs> back to this question: Is this a movie like you have any desire to watch? Zero. Yeah, I none whatsoever. I know it's a remake of the original. I might want to watch the Audrey Hepburn original. I didn't even know that. Okay, I yeah. would if I would. I could We're see that. Famous. I, I would like to see that, but I have this did nothing for me. The highlight for this, I will say, was the music video because this song is very 
low key and smooth. It's exactly what Sting portended and portrayed to be in the music video. Mm -hmm. This is like the exact type of song you want in the background of a club, of a cigar bar, as you're like coming down off a cocaine high and looking for someone to spend the night with. I was starting to agree with you. (laughs) Just go with it, man. And then you had to take a hard left turn. I I enjoyed this song. I did because it's very, very smooth and very low key and very loungy. All right, well, Gloria Stefan plays the song at uh, the Oscars, uh, sings the song. I love the moon in the backdrop on stage. Yes. Like this staging, at the, the production yeah. design at this Oscars was incredible. I just, I loved it. Across the it was, board, too. Like we usually say how it kind of looks tacky on the Oscar stage and, yeah. and whatnot. This is the first half episode we've done where I'm beyond impressed with what they pulled off well, 90s, in real life. 90s figuring some things out. Yeah, that's true. It's a good Getting point. more towards our taste, good I point. guess. And then. You know, some of the old stuff, not so great. Yeah. And I love Gloria Stefan's performance. She really made this song her own. This could have been a single for her. I mean, all you need is a beautiful stage in Gloria Stefan. She's so freaking talented. Sting is, I mean, everybody attached to this song is talented. It's easy. Uh, But look, it'd be better, though, if she immediately went to turn the beat around. (laughs) Like, who would have complained? I mean, if they're on the stage and she's already there, and if she just goes into the next song, you know, it's just out of instinct, and then the band, like, the band, like, looks at her sideways, and then they just start, they just playing, start playing right just in mid- without practicing it at all. Without practicing it. They're playing like, it perfectly, and they all just kind of look at each other, like, how did we know how to do this? She loses track of where she is. No, who would have complained? Um, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up for that. I think original songs. From now on. And look, I mean, we we get mad at the Oscars for like, we're going to cut time by taking out original songs. Right. That's like the dumbest way to do it. Take the speeches from the other people out. I'm sorry, don't present all 24. I disagreed with it then. I disagree with it now. You're Enough. Dumb. You're dumb. Give them their own a show. You're a bad person. They make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Views, Teachers don't get award shows. Use talked about by also Mike. Firefighters don't get award shows. Of MMO and total. Editors don't need award, their own award show. I mean, it's give me a break. Give me a break. So Didn't you think that hill was going to come up for you to die on you today? You allow Jennifer Hudson <laughs> to go up there and sing, and you allow Gloria Stefan. You know they to go don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? You could present all twenty-four and keep the songs. You could do both, but they they proven that they're dumb. But <sighs> here's the thing: there's so many bad speeches from non-entertainers. Let the entertainers entertain, and let the non-entertainers write something for the entertainers to entertain. And as a writer, I fully accept that, that I'm not an entertainer. We like to give you guys some behind-the-scenes looks every once in a while when we can in these episodes. <laughs> and I'll take you back to about 45 minutes ago, Mike and I were talking about this episode before we went on air here. And Mike said, yeah, I just don't have a lot of fire for anything in this episode. No, you set, you set me off. You set me off. And I, I, always, I always, I bit my tongue for a whole year. On the I didn't see this coming, but all right. Give me a break. That, that was the boringest part of every Oscars, easily. I uh, I will respectfully disagree, sir. But uh, that's a you're telling me it's not the boringest part of every. Oh, I will respectfully disagree, and we will have that debate another time. I think <laughs> their views of also Mike do not necessarily reflect those of MMO Incorporated. Well, it's out there now. <laughs> Just blurt it out. <laughs> Did not think in the Sting Gloria Estefan song well, from Sabrina I get movie mad because they're gonna take Jennifer Hudson off the stage so the best editor can give their long boring read a list of. Uh, I un- of I understand your if that if one directly impacts the other, yeah. I'm on your side. Yeah, I would rather. And see they're the wondering why the ratings go down. I would rather see the performances. 
I believe one does not directly correlate with the other. That's my stance. It's, but there's there's a finite amount of time. There is. They also do a lot of other things. This pay, this year was good. This, this year, year was, was good. good. This year uh, was good. Let's move Except on. Except for the, the person reading off a list of names, <laughs> and then the three boring people leave, reading off lists of names as they alternate. I'm going to let you have really the last word because I don't want to turn this into an hour long episode. <laughs> so let's move on to Randy Newman. <laughs> You got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your old past said. Or you got a friend in me. Yeah, you've got a friend in me. All right, make this one awkward. <laughs> adorable and perfect is what this song is. It's just adorable and perfect. Uh, opening credits in the movie really worked with the kid playing with the toys. Sets everything up. I have a hot take. Yeah. I know you like Lyle Lovett in this. I prefer Randy Newman going solo with this song. Yeah. I'm not crazy about the duet I, aspect. It does work as a duet, especially... It, it, the lyrics talking go about back friendship. And, yeah, yeah it does the lyrics sense. go back and forth. I mean... Am I a little upset you didn't invite me to sing the theme song as Lyle Love It? You are so yeah. full of shit. I'm a little upset. That you, Give me you know, any Springsteen line I know right you now. Are. I realized for four weeks that you like the solo so version. So full of shit. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mind Lyle Love It. I, in fact, I, I don't remember him having such a distinctive voice, but watching these videos. I don't think we got that version. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I don't think that version made it to Toy Story. I think it was just Randy Newman. There definitely, while I was watching Toy Story, I, I heard a lot of love. There was a lot of love at in there? some point. Okay. I don't remember when it was. If it was in the credits or whatever it was in. Uh, music video is both Lyle Lovett and Randy Newman yep. singing in studio interspersed with clips from Toy Story. Again, a very stereotypical 90s soundtrack feel there. Nothing too special. Uh, we didn't get the Oscars version. We could not find that. Couldn't find it. But we did see what seemed like a Lyle Lovett benefit concert. <laughs> that being said, I, I did hear them during the Colors of the Wind say this is our fourth Oscar performance. I wonder if they thought so that was going to win. Somewhere? Oh, Typically, okay. you let the, the front runner have the hammer. Have the right? hammer go last, yeah. And if they, maybe they only had four, you know, they're, you know, Randy Newman was busy. I don't know. I also would like to see, and I don't even know how I would go about researching this, but if people thought, you know, Toy Story was going to get their special Oscar like they did for John Lasseter, so why not? Because the animated feature wasn't around. Here's what they thought. They thought the editors should have an extra four <laughs> minutes to read off their piece of paper, a list of names, and they cut Randy when Newman. When you throw something out at home, does it just <laughs> stick to your hand because you can't let things go? <laughs> and then everybody got in a harumph that this person making $300,000 a year needs their award in front of a national television. So that's You've Got audience. a Friend in Me, the theme song for Toy Story. You can hear us parodying it at the beginning of our Pixar rewatch series. Let's go into Perfecting Perfection now, which is how we wind up every retrospective. It's been a while since we've done a full-fledged retrospective. Been a while. We gotta get back on that, but uh, for both retrospectives and half-isodes, we have what we call Perfecting Perfection. We take the nominees in any given category, and we re-rank them in order of our personal preference. So this is basically how we would vote did we or would we or were we to have an academy ballot back in this day for the 1995-96 best original song category uh michael number five for me is have you ever really loved a woman that's the correct <laughs> ranking for it i will not hear otherwise yeah but <laughs> i really used to like my old hair 
And when it got cut, I just had fond memories. So you, of yeah, it. you're purely nostalgic with that song. It has yeah. nothing to do with the, the whether or not the song is decent. It's absolutely true. Yeah. But then again, that's fair. That's fair. I get it. Then again, like, the dude could sing. I mean, he sang. He does really have a well. voice. I have no argument with that. Brian the Adams. cultural appropriation part of it, I have a little bit of an issue. It's with. It's cultural appropriation in the sense that it's Brian Adams. <laughs> exactly. In, in yes. The group there. <laughs> but so is Colors of the Wind, for that matter. You know, based on Judy Kuhn's not Native American. That's not an unfair argument. I will. I will uh, admit. Yeah, I mean, Dead Man Walking. Uh, based on the uh, stats of the day, probably shouldn't have been Sean Penn either. <laughs> right? I know I'm saying the darndest things this whole episode. I have Wait, no filter today. What stats of the day? Well, the, most people incarcerated are African Americans. They're not white men that make you relate to... Okay, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, if you, you, know, you want to generalize the we issue. We even but... have to make that about a white guy, 40-year-old white guy. Yeah, you know Everything what? in 1996 was about a 40-year-old white guy. I... I, you, you kind of convinced me there. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's a fair yeah. critique. That's a fair critique. I was going to say it's specific to the story, and it is, but at the same time, maybe it's not the right lens. That's that's fine. Um, that said, fuck Brian Adams. <laughs> What's your number five? Dead Man Walking, Bruce okay. Springsteen. Uh, your number four, sir. A Moonlight by Sting. I have number four as Moonlight as okay, well. So I we think I prefer, do you prefer the uh, Stefan version? Oh, I like, I li- yeah, I liked it. All right, I, I did too. More. I think I did. I mean, uh, Sting is, she just doesn't finish words. You know, just he lets the words hit. Yes, so to the He doesn't finish his sentences. Don't stand so, don't stand so. He doesn't even finish the word so. Don't stand so close to me. He inhales at the wrong moment. Uh, number three, we both have You've Got a Friend in Me. We do. Which is not a statement we could say about each other at this point after how this episode's gone. Yeah, I had some fire. <laughs> I had different things that just on the side, I guess. But I always have fire on these episodes somehow. <laughs> you do. We, we back ourselves into absurdity. Me, yeah, it makes me yeah. uncomfortable to the point where I think about dancing. I have and how to bad say something. Dancing, dancer I am. I can't sing. So I have to, yeah, I have to spit fire, I guess. But I have you ever really loved a woman's my number two. Okay. Uh, and you hate that, but it's that's preposterous. Fine. I, mean, I don't really dislike any of these songs all that much. I don't, except honest. for Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman. <laughs> the whole concept of it, the lyrics of it, the music video. I, just, I didn't dwell on the lyrics. I yeah. have disdain for all of it. Number two for me is Colors of the Wind. Right. Uh, and I really like Dead Man Walking. <laughs> I really, really like that song. You really liked uh, the song in A Star is Born. Uh, Guys? Black Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of Anything similar. about death. <laughs> I'm a big... Uh, <laughs> you like songs about death. Tell me how you're going to kill me. That's pretty much that the... Uh, is, that is weird. Yeah, man. I didn't know that about myself until just now either. That's so we're both learning number, something here. <laughs> number one ranked songs ranked by you in the last yeah. year about mm. death. Black eyes open right. Oh, I'm talking about Colors of the Wind is my number one <laughs> because it's a, uh, it's wonderful and it's a great tell-off scene, which I love. It is. Uh, that's a very underrated, it's not a point I've heard brought up often, but for as much, as little as that really has to do with the plot of Pocahontas, it really is her saying, you know, hey, white boy, hit the bricks. <laughs> hey, 40 year old white guy. <laughs> yeah. You suck. Oh, boy. I love these episodes. I really do. For that reason, we never know where these... None of that rant that you heard from Also Mike was written down anywhere no. in these notes. In this eight-page doc that we worked off of. Oh my God. <laughs> so, we want to hear from you. Uh, obviously, we did this for a reason. We did this because You Have a Friend in Me is part of uh, the biggest part of Toy Story as far as songs go. And Toy Story is the biggest part of our Pixar Rewatch series. So, we thought this fit in nicely. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts. Do you have any attachment to any of these songs or these movies? Let us know. You can 
reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts. Students, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Michael, any words of wisdom for these fine folks to go out on today with this episode? Uh, eat meals of food regularly. <laughs> um, don't get sick. And then you might not let your deepest, darkest hot takes out. Hot mic. In the middle of, you know, just an unrelated episode. (laughs) No, it it was a big thing where I was was trying to be classy all year. I I present all 24. Yeah, it's fine. It's good in principle. I'll be honest. I did not know you felt this I disagree with it in the sense that, I mean, present all 24. Does that mean every, you know, fourth key grip should have a, you know, a, a spot in the movie? Is that what you mean? No! It's a piece of entertainment. Let the entertainers be on stage and entertain. Do you demand the the fourth key grip to have his moment on stage? No! In no other form. I thought the worst moment of this episode was going to be my chief Seattle joke. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't eat. Those are your words of wisdom from also Mike. I didn't eat lunch. Uh, guys, Came in hot. when reality sucks, come watch movies with us or just, you know, spit venom anywhere you want and speak fire. <laughs> we will check you out next time. See ya. <laughs>